midweek podcast episode of the In the Fourth Podcast with your host, Cole Northrup. I hope you guys had a great Christmas, had some great Christmas meals, enjoyed the time opening presents with family and doing other family events this past weekend. We got another holiday coming up, New Year's Eve, obviously. I think it's probably a top two holiday that's that's out there. I say, you know, July 4th and New Year's Eve are probably the two best holidays there there are. Uh, some people think Christmas is. You know, I think it's a little overrated, but that's just me. But overall, we have a, just a great week of family time, of being around people that are friends and doing things that we want to do, right? Uh, and watching football. And you can't you can't beat that. We have bowl games going on right now. The NFL playoffs are just around the corner. Things are starting to take shape from a playoff perspective in the National Football League. And that's where we're going to start today. There's too much overreaction in this world right now. Everything's instant, right? Instant text messages, instant gratification on Instagram, right? Instant comments on Facebook, whether it's good or bad. Hell, we even have LinkedIn where we, or the next step in them, right? It's all about being new and having opinions on stuff that's interesting and catching fire in the marketplace, right? NFTs, uh, crypto, you're hearing it all about this right now in the financial world, right? That's the hot new segment. Everyone's trying to get into it because there's so much money to be made and no regulations, everything like that. Well, I'm going to tell you guys a story, okay? So I started, I tried to learn how to, you know, day trade in the market during COVID, right? It was March 2020. We had nothing to do. We were sitting around our house, right? And I was like, hey, I'll, I'll learn how to trade, right? The markets are still active. It'll at least, you know, might bring in some revenue. I, I might like it. And I had a buddy that was in investment banking. He had done a couple of investment banking internships. And he was a trader as well. But he was a long-term trader. He wasn't a day trader. And he was always against day trading. And it was because it was volatile. And you could get screwed if you were on the wrong side of the trade. And I was like, oh, you don't know anything. I'm going to do it. I'm going to find success. I'm going to follow people that do this for a living. So I did. And I turned, you know, my $500 and I, you know, 1000 x it. And I felt confident. And I was talking crap to him the, the entire time because of the fact that I was like, you're making 20% return and I'm making 1,000% return in a couple months. Like, what are you doing? And that was because the market was super hot. Everyone was doing the same thing I was doing, right? They were all jumping in, pouring money in. Well, when the market dried up and I lost a bunch of money, I said, ah, crap, maybe he was right. And that's where we have to look at this from a long-term perspective, a season-long perspective in the NFL, okay? We had offenses, the best teams, Mahomes, Kansas City, the Bills with Josh Allen, and... Dak Prescott and the Cowboys, who went through mid-season struggles, right? They lost a couple games. Maybe they lost some games that they shouldn't have. And the offense is sort of sputtered, whether that was from injury or from quarterback play being, you know, up and down like a roller coaster. At the end of the day, people came into question and they said, well, you know, why aren't these quarterbacks playing as well as we expect them to? And they had really hot takes. Kansas City's going to miss the playoffs. The Bills, the New England is in is in the Bills' heads. And the Cowboys can't make the divisional round. They're not good. They're overrated. And what happened? Well, it took teams six, seven, ten weeks 
a long-term view on it to finally come to fruition. And we, we sit here, and we're two weeks left in the regular season. And what's happened? Kansas City is the number one seed in the AFC, as predicted, coming into the season. The Bills are going to win the AFC East. With as much Patriots hoopla as there was throughout the season, the Patriots are going to go to the Super Bowl, the Patriots are going to beat the Bills, they smash the Bills in the mouth, the Bills can't stop the run, blah, 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 blah. And what's happened? The Bills are on top of the AFC East. Cowboys. Cowboys aren't going to be any good. Cowboys offense is the only thing good about them. That was the start of the season. Then it flipped on its head. Defense is carrying the Cowboys. The offense needs to get its crap together. And all of a sudden, Cowboys go out and hang 56 on Washington. And it looks like, oh, maybe they fixed some things. Maybe it's because they have a top 10 quarterback in this league, just like the other two teams. From a long-term perspective, they're going to figure it out. Why? Because they're stable at the most stable positions. It's like investing in an ETF or the QQQ. You know it's going to be okay in the long term, right? But all these people are making opinions on week-to-week basis, and it's not sticking. It's not holding. Why? Because they're reacting to what they just saw. They're reacting to seeing the Chiefs get beat by the Bills. They're reacting to seeing the Bills get beat by New England in a windstorm, right? Or the Cowboys being throttled by Denver or the Raiders on Thanksgiving, right? All of these things are short-term outputs, short-term looks. And we got to look more long-term. Why? Because I'm going to take and I'm going to believe in the quarterbacks that are running these teams. The one I, I believed in the Chiefs when they were going through their struggles, believed in the Bills when they went through their slide, believed in Dallas. The only one I missed on this year was Seattle. It's the only one I missed on. Why? Because Seattle doesn't have the personnel to compete. And at the end of the day, that's why Russell Wilson is either not going to be a Seahawk next year or Pete Carroll won't be a Seahawk next year. It's going to be one or the other. But we got to stop taking short-term reactionary views overall and just take a breath. Take a breath. Be a long-term stock trader in these NFL teams. Okay? It's going to be okay, I promise. Coming up next... Speaking of Seattle, there's some other places in the NFL where the seat is getting pretty hot, and we're going to go over. So here we go. There's rumblings that are starting to come out in the throughout the NFL media about what coaches are on the hot seat, what coaches can be expected to be fired, and what jobs could be open and candidates that are coming. And the NFL this past offseason passed a new rule that allows teams to start interviewing candidates within the last two weeks of the regular season. So teams that, like the Jags, for example, today, came out and they said, okay, we're going to put in an interview request for Byron Leftwich, for Todd Bowles, for Kellen Moore, for Doug Peterson, people that are currently employed by, obviously, the Bucks and the Cowboys and other teams, right? We're going to put in these requests so that way we can get a jump, st- a jump start on our head coach interview process, right? So Black Monday, the last Monday after the last game of the regular season, was typically when all these coaches got fired. Why? Because all of these teams wanted to be on the same level playing field from an interview process standpoint, right? Well, now 
these teams are starting to fire other coaches earlier. Raiders, Gruden, Jags with Urban, right? You're probably going to see another fire or two going into the last week of the season. Possibly Nagy, possibly Pete Carroll up in, in Seattle, possibly Vic Fangio in Denver, right? Usually we have anywhere between five and eight openings per year. Okay, there's always one that kind of catches us by surprise. Could certainly be in Seattle this year, right? Could certainly be in uh, in the New York Giants. Even though they said Joe Judge is going to come back, you never know with the last two weeks and how they play out, right? So with this, there's a, a bigger sense of urgency to, to get on the ball faster, right? To get the ball moving if you know it's not your ball, in a sense. And that's where the Jaguars are. But I'm going to talk about one specific coach and one specific situation and it's in Denver with Vic Fangio. I think all of the other coaches had rights to be fired. Obviously, Gruden had his entire debacle, uh, 10-year debacle overall uh, with the Raiders. Wasn't producing. Had the outrageous comments and outrageous emails that he had. Deserved to be fired. Deserved to be let go. Okay, Urban, we're not going to detail his past occurrences within the Jags organization of 8 to 10 months. But that obviously was an absolute roller coaster and just nothing good came out of it. He deserved to be fired, right? You can make the case that Pete Carroll deserves to be out of Seattle. You can make the case that Joe Judge should be out of the Giants. And you can make the case that Matt Nagy should be out of Chicago. But I do not think, and I will not support, Denver firing Vic Fangio. And this is the reason why. When you fire somebody who's at the top of their profession, right, and they are coveted by your competitors, right, who are going to call them as, as soon as they get fired. It should be a warning to you as your, as the employer. Maybe you shouldn't fire that guy, right? Because as soon as Vic Fangio hits the market, I guarantee you there's going to be at least five to ten teams that call him wanting him to come to their team and be the defensive coordinator. Why? Have you seen what he has done in Denver? Yes, Denver has a bunch of talent on the defensive end. Since about week eight, they've been absolutely massacring opponents, right? After you play Denver as a team, you have scored 30 or 40 points in basically every game in that following game. We saw it in Cincinnati this past weekend, absolutely dog-walking Baltimore. Well, who'd they play the week before? They played Denver, right? You, you saw it with Dallas when Dallas played Denver, got beat, and then went out and threw up 35, right? So all of these teams are being shut down by Denver and then going out the next week and having a massive offensive output. So Vic Fangio is doing something special in Denver with the defense. And outside of Miami, nobody has been able to match him in the league. He just causes so much stress from what he shows quarterbacks pre-snap to what he shows quarterbacks post-snap and the amount of pressure, simulated pressures that he can bring. He just is very complex on the defensive end, and that's what makes him so great. So if you're Denver, you really need to sit there and say, well, Fangio's a defensive guy. He's holding up his end of the bargain on the defense. This is not like Matt Nagy in Chicago, who's an offensive guy and can't figure out how to use Justin Fields, who he drafted, right? This is Fangio, who is a defensive guy, who's carrying his weight on his side of the ball right now. And you can make the case, and I certainly will, that Denver is a quarterback away from seriously competing not only for this division, but in the Super Bowl, right? Being in that Super Bowl discussion, you put Aaron Rodgers on this team instead of Drew Locke, 
And, I mean, you basically force the Raiders to rebuild because they have the fourth-best quarterback in the in the division. I mean, you're not going to be able to compete with Rodgers and Mahomes and Herbert, are you? I mean, you look at Derek Carr, who's not a bad quarterback at all, but you're like, well, we can't compete with this. We might as well just tear it down. But Denver's going to fire or could fire Fangio for an absolutely stellar job that he's done over the two or three years that he's been there. And I just do not agree with it at all. At all, It's not like you're seeing a regression like you're seeing in Seattle with Pete Carroll, who had the number one defense in 2013 and 14, and now has the 31st ranked defense in the entire league, and Pete Carroll's a defensive guy. You're not seeing that regression in Denver. You're seeing a team that is fighting with absolutely, at best, average quarterback play. Average at best in Teddy Bridgewater and Drew Locke. But if you if you put Derek Carr on Denver, you put any other Matt Ryan on Denver, hell, even maybe Baker on Denver, and they're probably a playoff team. They're probably a playoff team. So if I'm if I'm the Broncos, I have to stop and stare in the mirror before I give Vic Fangio that call to tell him I'm letting us letting him go. Because I promise you, you're gonna come back and it's gonna be like Dan Quinn in Dallas. He is going to be murking the league next year as a defensive coordinator for whoever it is. And you're going to sit in, sit in your office and say, say, man, we really messed up. Coming up next, we're going to talk a little NBA just because it was on display for Christmas. And we have to touch on some things that I saw. We're mainly going to talk about the Lakers in this segment. Why? Because they have LeBron, and they it's it's more fun to talk about the Lakers than talking about Memphis or talking about Sacramento or talking about Orlando. Because why? The NBA revolves around its superstars, right? So everyone's going to talk about LeBron or Kevin Durant or James Harden, Steph Curry, etc. But I'm here to say, as a as a LeBron homer, as a as a LeBron fan, I do not think that he's going to be able to win the championship this year with this Lakers squad. And I really do believe it's because we're seeing the best of LeBron right now. Since he's come back from his injury, he's averaging 30 points, 7 rebounds, 7 assists on 53% shooting. I mean, he is absolutely playing out of his mind. His career averages is like 27-7-7. So he's being he's playing at or above some of those categories right now in the 12 games I believe he's been back since injury. And the issue is is that I don't think that he can continue to sustain this level of play. And even with this level of play, the Lakers aren't winning anything, right? And I do believe that most of the onus of this, most of the onus of their lack of success lies at the feet of Anthony Davis. And the reason to that, and the reason it's not Russell Westbrook, is because we knew what Russell Westbrook was when they traded for him. We knew he was ball dominant. We knew that he was kind of a bull in the China shop type of player where he's going to create plays, he's going to give you minutes, but he's also going to have some just absolutely boneheaded turnovers. He cannot shoot, and... Sometimes you're just going to watch him and be like, well, that's Russ, and it's either going to be a good or a bad thing. But we knew that coming in. What were we, what we were sold on 
when Anthony Davis was traded from the Pelicans to the Lakers was, this is Anthony Davis. This is the future. He's got, he's young. He's got so much more potential. LeBron can unlock this potential, right? He can be the flag carrier when LeBron is in his later years, which would be now. And what has Anthony Davis been? He's been exactly what he's been his entire career. Banged up. He's a number two. He can't lead a team because he's not emotionally mature enough to do it. It's just not what he wants to do from a personality standpoint. And he's just never on the court. He's never on the court. And the best we saw Anthony Davis was in the bubble. And you know why I think that? Because he didn't have the outside pressure from all of the fans, from most of the media, because everything was not centered around the NBA bubble. Everything was centered around COVID at the time, right? That's what people were worried about. Sure, the Lakers won the championship, but there was no true parade of the uh, of Lakers Nation. You know, it wasn't as big as winning a championship at Staples or having away in home games, you know, in the Western Conference playoffs. No. So now that the pressure is back on Anthony Davis to mainly lead this team, and he can't, the onus then falls on him. And LeBron can't carry this team anymore. He's not the best player in the world. He's a top five player in the world, but he's not the best player in the world. He used to be able to overcome deficiencies like 09 Cleveland or even 2018 Cleveland when they overhauled the roster at the trade deadline. But you look at some of these teams out west, the Suns, right? Golden State, what are they? They're young. They are young. They have young, fresh legs. They have a little bit of veteran mix in them being either whether that's Chris Paul whether that's Steph Curry and Klay Thompson and Draymond they have a little bit of veteran in them but the majority of them they're young cats they're 24 25 26 years old they got fresh legs they can go and run up and down the court and carry transition and get big buckets and Devin Booker right that's what the Lakers are missing they're old they don't have the youth to get up and down on a daily on a nightly basis right so they're going to really struggle, I think, in the in the regular season, the rest of the regular season. And the, you, they better thank their lucky stars that PG is going to be out and that Kawhi's been out for the Clippers. Otherwise, I don't know if the Lakers are a playoff team because the West is just so good. And not to mention, the Lakers have had the easiest schedule up until Christmas Day there, there's been in the league. And they were a game below five hundred. And now they have the hardest schedule remaining. They have to go and play Phoenix twice, and they have to go and play Golden State three times, right? So it's not like this team was six or eight games above 500. No, they were a game below, and now they have to go play harder competition? I mean, this ce- the ceiling on the Lakers team, and it's not LeBron's fault, but the ceiling on this Lakers team is at max probably the second round of the playoffs. At max. And... You're just going to go play better shooting teams, teams that are younger, teams that are deeper, and there's no one to blame but yourselves at the end of the day because you guys made this trade. You traded your youth to Washington for Russell Westbrook, and it's not Russell Westbrook's fault either, but unless Anthony Davis comes back and is the top five player that he was expected to be for the last two years, this team, it's got a short shelf life, and it's going to be a sad end to LeBron's career as a Los Angeles Laker. I appreciate you guys tuning into the, into today's podcast. It was a fun one. I hope you 
enjoy the New Year's festivities. We might have a podcast drop on Friday, so look out for that. Previewing week 17 of the NFL season, fantasy championships on the line. Don't forget about that. And we will talk to you guys later. 